What's up, everybody? Welcome to Hapticast, episode number 42. My name is Josh Toll, and I am joined by my good friend, Brett Roberts, and our AI companion, HBot, as always. Hello, Brett. Hello, Hello. HBot. Hello, Josh. Hello, everyone. How are you? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing adequate. Listen, I, I know you know we're starting off a little low energy, but there's a lot, a lot to be excited for today. That's true. Also, I just want to preface by saying there's a little storm going on outside of Haptic HQ, as you can see in those windows behind us over there. Um, so just if you hear some thunder and stuff, know that you know there's a storm outside. So that's correct. Okay, but yeah, a lot to be excited for. Josh, we just released a new type of video here on haptic intel where you know we usually do podcasts and let's plays and you know we do long-form content in the in the vein of like a podcast but we've never done a scripted long-form docu-style uh video and that's what we that's did. right that's right so we'll talk about it a little bit more uh you know we have a whole topic we're going to dedicate to it so we can delve into it a little bit more but if you haven't watched it yet i strongly recommend you check it out josh spent a long time working on it it's called days gone playstation's not so hidden gem uh and he put a lot of work into it and i'm really proud of him for it and it turned out great so please go check it out that's right the sympathetic suck off that's right um, and speaking of that brett Going into our topic rundown for the day, links in the description if you're watching the full pod, as always, um, timestamps rather in the description. Uh, we're gonna our first topic is gonna be talking about Days Gone and that video a little bit, um, and talking about the game. Brett wrote here, interviewed Josh in our notes, so I guess we'll find out what that means. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we're gonna be talking about Nintendo's OLED <laughs> and uh, some Joy-Con news about that. Um, talking about potential August state of play for PlayStation, uh, and then wrapping it up as we do every week with Indie Intel, talking about a game today called Spellblaster from Kickstarter. So before we hop into those topics, Brett, why don't we do a little media consumption update? I'm going to go first. I always ask you who wants to go first, and most of the time you go first. I'm going first today. All right. That's it. First of all, I'm still playing Mass Effect 2. I am very close to the Platinum. I'm actually at, like, the story. I'm, like, at the point of no return. I haven't done the point of no return yet, but there is a point of no return towards the end of the game. The game doesn't really let you know, but from everything I've seen online, once you begin that, choices have to be locked in, and then things happen from there. Hmm. So I haven't done that yet. I'm trying to finish all the other trophies that I can before it's just the story-related ones for the ending, and I don't want to screw myself out of that. Smart. Um, and I really want to finish that and platinum it so that I can take a break from Mass Effect and play Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, which I literally have downloaded on my PlayStation. I haven't played it yet because I want to finish Mass Effect 2 first. Um, so there's that. I'm playing a little of MLB The Show still. That game is still terrible. Um, I still cannot believe that it is literally the same game as basically eight years ago. Um, yeah, it's abysmal, but I can't stop playing it because I play the My Player mode. Uh, road of the show or whatever like incessantly been playing mario golf well let me preface by saying i played mario golf i enjoyed mario golf i now hate mario golf and i have since deleted it from my switch um that game dude it's fun right like just the regular like golf playing mechanics the campaign was fun for about two seconds then they start introducing these fucking stupid mechanics that are like so cumbersome and annoying where you have to like hit golf balls into like tornadoes and there's like all of these like super ridiculous it's like it just got to the point where i was like i'm so annoyed and not enjoying this i'm done and you have to beat the story to unlock all of the courses and players and stuff like that for the regular game and i'm like i'm not doing this i'm not doing it so i'm wow. done yeah so unfortunately i can't recommend it so okay um have watched both Fear Street movies that are out at the time of recording this. The third one will be out by the time this is out. Uh, I'm sure we'll have watched it then. I know you have been watching them as well. Uh, I really liked the first one, and I really, really liked the second one. I think I ended up giving them the same score for both. I think I gave them both four stars. Um, but I think I might like the second one more a little bit than the first one, but not enough to bump up the rating that much higher because I think the second one... 
uh, starts off a little slow compared to the first one. Um, but yeah, so I've been watching those. Watched Black Widow, uh, which I know you also liked or watched. I did not love it. I know you really liked it, so I'm sure you'll talk about that. And then I also watched A Quiet Place Part 2, which I also liked, but definitely not as good as the first one. Uh, and anybody that says otherwise, I think is stupid. Uh, whereas the first Quiet Place had like, like kind of subverted your expectations on all horror tropes and did some really unique things with sound and stuff like that. The second one has so many horror cliches in it, I couldn't believe it. That's not to say it's a bad movie, but there's like some serious horror brain in there. So yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Okay. I'm going to lead off with like um, movies and TV shows and stuff because I, I kind of mm. want to segue. Um, so I'll start off by saying, yes, I did. I did watch Fear Street uh, one and two. Uh, I like mm. them both. I I did like volume two more than one. Uh, yeah. Volume one, there was something about it that just didn't hit for me really as much as as two did. I feel like two was, you know, the whole time on like we were on right from the beginning. Um, I, I felt like we lollygagged a lot in the first one. So the second one, I enjoyed that. Yeah. The first one had some world building and setup that, that it had to kind of bear the brunt of, mm-hmm. but th- the second one didn't have to worry about it. Yes, exactly. The thing is though, it's almost like an anthology. The, the series is like an anthology movie in that there's a, a intro and a wraparound. And I feel like because the first movie had to introduce everything and act as like the wraparound for the whole series it kind of hurt that film uh the second movie starts off with the wraparound and then goes into the actual meat and potatoes of the second film much quicker and i feel Mm -hmm. like that's why i liked it um Mm -hmm. third one is from what i've seen and the trailer that played at the end is going to be absolutely nuts and i feel like it's It's not going to be good it's going to be very disturbing it's going to be dude it it looks not like not good in a good way it looks not good yes it's gonna be it's gonna fuck me up basically uh and my my fiance jess she's watching all three of them with me uh and after the second one she was like i don't know if i can watch these anymore they're they're like like it's really fucking me up and then the trailer for the third one played at the end of the second movie and she was like i don't think i'm gonna be able to watch that it looks terrifying so so yeah, those are, are great. Now, our friend Sean said in both of his reviews of the films that he feels like they are like goosebumps, but like elevated and like, mm-hmm. you know, more for adults. I actually disagree. I don't get a goosebumps vibe from this series at all. Um, except for like the thing, like the the witch's name is Sarah Fear and like it's called Fear Street. Um, that is like the only thing to me that is like goosebumpsy. I really don't get that out of it, and I wish we did more. The one thing I will say is the score. Not like the songs that play, which, by the way, the songs that play are fucking awesome. But the actual score of the the movies themselves are phenomenal. And it, that reminds mm-hmm. me of, of Goosebumps, because like there's little yeah. audio cues and stuff that play at certain points um, that give me the Goosebumps feel. But like the plot and like the act, like the act acting and like all that not really getting goosebump vibes for those that don't yeah. know the reason we're comparing it to goosebumps is because rl stein the writer of the goosebumps books right. also wrote fear street um yeah i don't know. i just think i think they have them so they're so they're like not formulaic but they are but they also know there's like a lot of restraint shown i feel like with a lot of the way that's presented it's like it's not too ham-fisted it's not too like mickey mouse-ish with any of the music it's not too grotesque with any of the horror it's not like too riddled with like nudity it's not like too riddled with like f-bombs and cursing it just like feels like very tightly put together and calculated yeah um but in a way that's kind of like refreshing and very entertaining to me i don't know it's i agree I agree, and I don't want to sound like I'm down on it because I'm actually I really do like the series a lot. Um, I do just want to point out, like at, at times, I feel like the films don't know what they want to be. They don't know if they want to be a rated R horror movie for adults or if it wants to be a PG-13 movie for kids and teenagers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like you said, it's not too riddled with all those things, but at certain times, they're just like, here's a straight up sex scene where this guy's railing this girl, and like you'll see her tits, and like it's just all out for you to see. But then in the first movie, they like played it safe and they were like, oh, we're going to do like a lesbian sex scene. And like, they, well, to be fair, they were like in, in high school or whatever. 
Um, but I feel like they were a little safer in that one. And in this one, they were just like, let's fucking go, dude. We're going to show it all. So there's things like that where I'm like, all right, what do you want to be? Who do you want to be? But I feel like this third one is going to really truly cement like, oh shit, like this is a serious horror film franchise. Uh, and honestly, Mm -hmm. I want them to do more, uh, after this trilogy. So that's where I'm at with that. Uh, Black Widow, I did like a lot. Uh, I know you were down on it, but. I went into it, which I'm sure you did as well, but I went into it knowing it was going to be like traditional Marvel, which I know you're not a fan of, like the Marvel films. Um, there's some that you are, but like when it's so Marvel, Marvel, you're not really into it. For me, it didn't really yeah. bother me. And I, my only gripe with the film is I wish it came out after Civil War. Yes, I, that that was the biggest. That's the first thing I thought of when I came out of the movie. I was like, I would have liked that much more if it came out when it was supposed to. Yep. Absolutely. I I was like, damn, I would really I really would have enjoyed this because it's like certain parts. You're like, wait, when does this take place? Wait, why are the Avengers not together? And like, you know what I mean? It's just like you're confused. Mm-hmm. A normie would be like way confused. Right. But also remember like this, like the last big thing that we got from Marvel was Endgame, right? Yeah. Like I now Endgame is like i love that movie but now i compare every marvel movie to that mm-hmm. right and i really don't want to go back to like phase one like generic here's the characters movie here's this character's movie mm-hmm. it's all super freaking marvel ham-fisted we're gonna get a couple avengers movies that are so marvel and then we'll have one big build up to something again yeah like let's not follow that same path and we have the tv shows now which yep. I'm like up and down on all of them, which I feel like is just a summary of my relationship with Marvel. Yes, I'm up and down on everything with it all the time. And I do want to segue into that. First of all, I want to say we have gotten Spider-Man since Endgame, um, which I don't want to. I didn't want Christian to come in the comments and shit on us. So <laughs> Spider-Man came out after Endgame. We got that. Um, but we also, Josh. I, I know, but I, I meant I meant good Marvel movie. That movie was good. That movie was awesome. With a, okay, all right. Jake Gyllenhaal? Um, We've gotten the shows, Josh, which I've been watching. I've been watching Loki. I actually fucking loved the latest episode of Loki. I don't know if you've seen episode five. Oh, dude, I I loved it. It is full of so much charm. I loved it. I'll get there eventually, man. I don't know. It's like sometimes it's really hard for me to push through those shows. I'm going to do what I did with like Winter Soldier, right? Where or not Winter Soldier, uh, Captain America and the Winter, whatever the Falcon one was. Yeah, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, where like I fall off because I'm so annoyed with it and I'm bored and I think it's terrible. And then I'll go back and power through and finish it at the end. I just I'm not there yet with Loki. I think episode five will turn you around. Uh, It's getting really good. And it, I don't know. If, did you see the trailer for the next episode? No, no, okay. I haven't seen much. Okay, then I don't want to spoil it. But there's a so it's all the different variants of Loki coming together, basically. Yeah, I saw there was an alligator. Loki, <laughs> Dude, he fucking rules. <laughs> That's all I'll say. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so Marvel, uh, you know, Black Widow was, was pretty good. And then Loki is as of right now, I'm loving it. Uh, what else did I watch? Um, oh, we you didn't mention this. Return of the Living Dead we watched. Oh, yeah. Slick. Very slick. Good film. Uh, if you haven't seen it, does some things with zombies that um, are pretty unique. And honestly, they invented a lot of things, like zombie tropes with that film that I never knew they invented. But basically, it's zombies that when you chop their head off or like shoot them in the head, they don't die. When you burn the bodies, the fucking smoke goes into the fucking sky and rains down onto graves and it makes more zombies so there's literally no way to kill these zombies if you let them on fire you just make more you know you shoot them in the head it does nothing uh it's really fucked and i liked it a lot it was funny and good uh games josh this is where i, I want to get into i haven't played a lot of games we got a new couch at my new uh i just moved into a new place got a new couch been watching a lot of stuff on there okay i haven't been in my office much playing games apex obviously i'm almost done the battle pass uh, mm-hmm. I've even been playing solo a little bit when you can't play, just trying to get that battle pass up. But mm-hmm. to segue into our first topic, Josh, I haven't started yet, mm-hmm. but I am going to be starting Days Gone. 
I didn't actually expect you to say that at all. It's true. I'm going to be starting Days Gone, and it's because of your video. So let's wrap uh, wow. the segment up, and let's move right on. So for those of you that haven't seen it yet, we just released our first long-form docu-style uh, scripted video. It's called Days Gone, PlayStation's Not-So-Hidden Gem, and it was created not by me, not by me at all. It was created by Josh, uh, my, my friend who's sitting right here next to us. He did a great job, and I loved it. And if you haven't seen it, you should pause now and you should go watch that instead. Um, I'm really proud of him for it. I'm really proud of the channel. Uh, and I hope, you know, a lot of people watch it and check it out. So what I wanted to do today is, Josh, I wanted to talk to you about the video. And I wanted to kind of go mm -hmm. behind the scenes a little bit and tell you some of the things that I especially really liked about the video. Um, and just go from there. We'll have a little discussion about it. So in our notes, All I wrote, right. I'm going to interview you. But really, I'm just going to ask you questions and tell you what I liked a lot about the video. Okay. So how did it come to be? How did this whole thing start? What made you want to number one, play days gone? And you kind of touched mm -hmm. on that in the video, but like what made you actually like finally pop it in and pop it on actually and, yeah. and try it? I mean, honestly, it was really just the fact that it was on the PlayStation plus collection, uh, for free. I had a PS five. Um, I watched a digital foundry video actually where they talked about the game uh and how it's much better like it was running at 60 fps locked 4k dynamic 4k uh checkerboarded and they were like it's like perfect it's beautiful like this is the best way to play the game and i was watching their video i was like wow this actually looks great um but i never played it because a i was uninterested which i talked about in the beginning of the video uh, about zombies and also just got shit on with reviews basically and i was like you know what screw it it's like one of the few playstation uh first party exclusives that i haven't played let me check it out um started it loved it i was like wow this is actually a lot of fun it looks incredible it runs great um and the rest is history so all right another question for you josh how how did you i don't know how to phrase this Basically, Josh, you created a 30 minute documentary style video about a zombie game mm -hmm. and you only showed about 10 seconds of footage of zombies. If that do you did you realize yeah. that was that intentional? Yes. OK, because, because some of the God, I was going to say that's actually one of the things I noticed. I've watched the video, you know, different versions of the video as it's been being created. And the one thing I kept noticing, and I didn't <clears throat> want to mention it to you because I didn't want you to change it otherwise, and I don't know if it was intentional or not. But to me, it was so effective in the fact that you made this video that was about the criticism a game got because it was too much like all the other games that had already come out, a zombie game, right? And you crafted a 30-minute video with gameplay throughout and used barely any footage of the zombie aspect, which is what was heavily criticized from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess it's of two minds. One, as I was editing it, it was pretty intentional because there was a, a whole another section that was actually ended up being scrapped from the video about gameplay, right? And just the gameplay and just fighting the zombies. And I ended up cutting it because it was so similar to a lot of the other things in it. But as I was editing those parts, I was, I was, you're right. I was like, I don't really want to show a lot because some of those fights with the hordes and some of the other kind of unique things they do with zombies throughout the world um, are some of the most intense parts of the game. And I didn't spoil anything in the game, by the way, in that video. I was going to mention the footage that. Was a... Wow. It was a large crash outside. There was no, um, uh, Spoilers. There was no spoilers in any of the footage. I didn't mention any spoilers. Everything I did was talked about or released in footage prior to the game or was in reviews. Yep. Um, but I also, all of the footage that is in the video was captured by me. And as I started editing that, I went back and realized, I was like, I don't want to show any zombie footage, but I don't really have any, right? Which means that that is not what stuck out most in the game. Yep. To me, when I played it, it was the story and the narrative, which is why I ended up just kind of picking those parts to focus on um, in the video. So it's kind of twofold. I didn't want to spoil any of the large kind of encounters that are some of the more serious parts and interesting parts of the game, especially some specific locations. Um, but also that this zombie game that got shit on for being another zombie game 
the zombies are actually like one of the least interesting parts about the game. The reveal about how they came to be is directly tied to the central plot, but it has more to do with character rather than the zombies itself, right? Where a lot of zombie content is like, it's about the zombies, right? And the people in those situations. But this, it's about the people in those situations because of the zombies. And it's like thematically tied to the central narrative, which is pretty unique. And I had a whole section on that in the video that I scrapped. Um, but yeah. Gotcha. The whole thing about not spoiling it was going to be another one of my points because again, you did a, a great job of not spoiling anything for someone that was watching your video, not knowing anything about Days Gone. And then, you know, at the end of the game, you basically say, I encourage you to go play it yourself and, you know, decide for yourself what, what you think. And the fact you didn't spoil anything throughout, you know, really lends itself to that. Um, mm -hmm. So kudos to you. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk about was there was a whole section of reviews that was cut, uh, basically where yes. we, we delved into different reviews of, you know, different journalists that went and reviewed the game. Um, it was cut. I want to talk about that a little bit. This is our chance to kind of uh, informally discuss some of the memes yeah. and the inconsistencies of the reviewers, if you would like to. Um, I know yeah. you don't have it open, probably, but just off off the cuff. No, like, but I... Yeah, just go ahead. go ahead. I was just gonna say, go yeah. ahead and just you know describe some of those reviews. It, so I I cut it, which I did briefly mention in the video, but I cut it because like literally when I was like not even writing it, like I, when I was recording it, like I was getting angry and like my levels were going all over the place. And I was listening back to it. I was like, I don't want to listen to this. If I was listening to this, I would shit on myself for being so abysmal about it, basically. Um, and at the end of the day, like they are just opinions. Now, there are reasons behind why I think those opinions are misinformed, mainly the fact that I don't think a lot of reviewers actually finished the game. But then I was like, I just got done this whole section talking about these like great supporting characters and specifically Iron Mike. And like, he is the best character in the game. Like, he is better than Deacon. He's better than Sarah. Like, he's better. He's literally the best character in the game. Uh, he's also one of the characters that's in the game the least amount. Uh, but he's super impactful when he's in there. And I was like, I can't. I don't want to put this in the video. But anyway, the hypocrisy that is behind reviewers, which most people just reading a review might not realize, is astounding. Like, one review that I teared up in the video a lot was VGC, Video Game Chronicle. Um, I think Edwin Evans Thurwell was the writer of that. He gave this game a 1.5 out of 5, but he gave, like, Cyberpunk a 3 out of 5. Yeah. Like... A game that just like is broken and doesn't and then that might have something to do with the the platform but the other one uh the uh not the ign review but the slant review he gave this game a two or something like that and he gave uh uh matt or um anthem uh, what's anthem like a three or something like that and i'm like there's is it the day like what is it and the the thing that really stuck out to me about the slant and the vgc review which i also mentioned in the video is that they don't talk about supporting characters at all yeah. not once i couldn't like i couldn't believe it and they're not the only two there was a lot of other ones that you researched which shout out to you by the way because most of my research and all of the articles that i covered came from you posting them and like digging into them um the only review that i saw out of those that mentioned supporting characters was the ign review like i was like bewildered by that i was like how little of this game did you actually play yeah. And again, but that's the case. And, and again, it, just to, to show that a lot of the footage you used, if not all of the footage you used was Deacon interacting with all of these supporting characters. You know, I don't not knowing much about the game. I don't know how big of a part they all played in the into the narrative or whatever, mm -hmm. or how good they were as characters. But you mm -hmm. kind of backed up all of your claims with the footage that you used is what kind of what I'm getting at. So, yeah, so it's just it's read the not don't just read the reviews read into the re reviewers themselves because you need to know where they're coming from and the other thing which i was really tempted to include but i didn't was one of the reviewers right so this game takes place in oregon right kind of the midwest west coast of the united states one of the reviewers you go to his profile on the site that he wrote for i won't mention his name he says uh something like along the lines of like against my will living in the midwest and i was like there's so much in your your uh, review that is like tearing up this game about things that like are not even points in the game and i think they're just related to the fact that you are living somewhere where you don't want to live that's like, interesting 
there there's so there's a lot of things like that where i'm like there's a reason that they're written in a certain way which is fine i mean everybody has their kind of lens that they look through things but it's just funny how much hypocrisy and honestly just bullshit is out there with reviewers it's such a uh, cancerous form of media in my opinion and really skews a lot of things success based off of it yeah um and it just it it, it gave me a new appreciation uh, or I guess anti-appreciation for how much stock people put in reviews, which everybody's guilty of. You can look it up and be like, oh, this got good reviews. I want to watch it or play it. This didn't. Um, but you got to really kind of look under the hood with some of that stuff. So Yeah. No, for sure. I think, you know, one of the things that would be great is if Metacritic was a good, you know, place to look to. Kind of like everyone looks at like Rotten Tomatoes or whatever as like the main thing for uh, film. We don't look at that. We look at like letterbox scores, which is like a user right. based system. Um, I wish Metacritic right. was a better place for gamers to go. But the problem is gamers abuse Metacritic all the time and will, you know, sink a game score just because they don't like something about it or, or whatever. So I, I wish that we had a thing yeah. like, you know, letterboxed like GG or something. Yeah. Right. Um, Metacritic is just way too easy to abuse. Um, but yeah, I, I agree 100%. You know, this game got, you know, quite honestly, fucked by reviews. Uh, it didn't even stand a chance. It seemed like it was yeah. dead on arrival, uh, all because of the reviewers and the reviews that were yeah. put out about the game. Um, so yeah, uh, I really don't have any other questions or anything, any other points I want to bring up. I just want to say great job. And, uh, you know, I hope a lot of people check it out and a lot of people watch it. So. Good job. Yeah. Thanks, Yep. All right. So, Brett, next, well, I guess first, recently, the Nintendo OLED edition, Nintendo Switch OLED edition was announced. Yep. We uh, haven't had the chance to talk about that yet. Right. Um, now, this topic is more specifically going to be about the, some Joy-Con news related to it. Um, and I see you have some notes here, and I'll let you get into that. But I guess just briefly, um, again, the Nintendo Switch OLED model was announced. There's nothing new about it except that it has an OLED screen. It's like a centimeter bigger. It has the same CPU, same everything else. It's very stupid. It's pointless. It's not made for anybody. Uh, it's pretty par with Nintendo and them doing kind of like these console refreshes like a lot of other people. Um, but I really don't know who it's made for. I think it's a terrible idea. I think uh, Nintendo is pretty stupid. The fact that we're four years into it now and you're not upping any power with this. But that's just my opinion. And I'll let you take it away. Yeah, I'll mention that I actually like the the look and the upgrades that were done to the to the switch, the OLED switch. Um I'm actually kind of considering getting one because I actually play my Switch in handheld most of the time as opposed to it being docked. And the upgraded visuals yeah, on, on the OLED screen and then the better speakers are actually kind of appealing to me. Um, especially if I can just trade my Switch in and get, you know, this Switch for, you know, a pretty decent discount. Why not? Uh, yeah. OLED screens, though, Josh, scare me. Because you can get burn in very, very easily on OLED screens if the games or the media you're consuming on the device isn't, you know, optimized for an OLED screen. So if you're playing a game with mm -hmm. a with a HUD, you know, that HUD can get burned right into the into the screen if you play it enough, which nobody likes screen burn in. It's the worst. I had it on my cell phone and it fucking drove me nuts. So um, mm -hmm. OLED screens look beautiful, but, you know, you got to be careful with them. Uh, but... Moving yeah. on to, you know, the actual news here, guys, it seems that Nintendo is kind of avoiding the Joy-Con uh, stick drift issue. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, Josh. I know you and I have talked about it, you know, a lot yeah. on this channel. We have we have we have a vid video up talking about that, that like basically Nintendo and all the other big parties use like the same joystick manufacturer. Yeah. So. And they're all shit. Uh, specifically yeah. the Joy-Con, it's the worst of them all. Uh, the stick drift and the drift in general is just god-awful. Um, and basically what's happening here is everyone's going to Nintendo... Oh, Jesus, I'm having a stroke. Everyone is going to Nintendo and asking, you know, with this OLED model, are the Joy-Cons going to be better? And Nintendo is doing the classic Nintendo dance and shuffle where they give you the runaround and they, they don't actually answer the question uh, at hand. So this is going to be coming from The Verge. So... In a statement Nintendo provided to Wired, so we're just covering a bunch of different outlets here, uh, Polygon, another one, GameSpot, 
and The Verge. Uh, the company said that the Joy-Con controller configuration and functionality did not change with the Nintendo Switch OLED model. However, the outlets didn't ask about the configuration or functionality, uh, as it was pretty clear from Nintendo's announcement that the controllers would be the same. Uh, and then an FAQ on the company's UK website, being Nintendo, is even more explicit that the Joy-Con controllers included with the Nintendo Switch OLED model are the same controllers currently available. Now, Josh, the controllers are compatible. You know, you can use your old uh, Joy-Cons on the new OLED Switch and vice versa. There's no upgraded tech in there. They all do the same thing. You got to imagine that there's something they can do with Joy-Cons going forward as they're being manufactured, where they can make a small change and just nip this in the bud, you know? Yeah, they need better of those little fucking modules that house the joysticks that are manufactured by the same company as all these other companies, and you know it's an issue. And they literally, we have a whole video on this referring to a, a I fix it like YouTube video or like just it, it needs to change. It needs to change because it's abysmal. Like it's they're terrible little rinky dink shit pieces, and like I. It needs to it needs to change because I if I have one more issue with stick drift on anything, not only is that controller getting smashed, but I'm gonna make a video literally reaming these fucking companies. I'm so tired of it. It's so abysmal. It's like beyond ridiculous that you cannot figure this out. And you can, but you're little greedy bastards and you refuse to. So it's worth noting that you can actually reach out to Nintendo customer support and get a free replacement of your Joy-Cons. However, if it's your only set of Joy-Cons, you're without them for weeks at a time. You can't play your Switch unless you have a pro controller. Um, so yeah, man, I mean, this is just, it's ass, honestly. They, this is very clear that, you know, they're the same thing. Nothing's changed. The technology's the same. Because if there was a fix for the for the Joy-Cons in this new OLED model, they would say, like, oh, these are new and improved Joy-Cons. The technology's the same. But that issue has been addressed. Even if they just say that last line, the, these issues have been addressed. That's all you need to say. Uh, but that's not what they're doing. At all. No. It needs to change. It needs to be fixed. So, uh, you know, I'm still suffering stick drift on my PS5 uh, DualSense controller that I got with at launch uh, with my PlayStation 5. So that fucking sucks. And uh, I don't know if this is ever going to be fixed or, you know, we're ever going to get, you know, a fix for this. So time will tell. Time will tell. All right, Brett, our last main topic for the day. Could Sony be having a state of play in August? Maybe. Possibly. If if Roberto Serrano is to be believed, this comes via a post on Reddit today that you told me about on the PSVR subreddit. This was posted by user Satva Misioni. Coney, meat, meatball. Misioni. Satva Meatball. He said, quote, this guy leaked the exact date of the latest state of play. I hope so because I'm very interested in seeing. I'm not going to read the rest of the quote. The person's interested in PSVR 2. But anyway, he posted this picture of Roberto Serrano um, saying that there's going to be a PlayStation event on August 12th of this year at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern. And it's going to have updates on the next God of War, Horizon Forbidden West, and the next generation of PlayStation VR and more. Okay, so since I'm the one that brought this to the table... I want to preface yes. by saying I don't necessarily believe this. Apparently, this guy has gotten a lot of things right, but also a lot of things wrong in his career. This Roberto, I can't even read his name. Serrano. Serrano. Um, and the, uh, the thing that really gets me, Josh, is he basically took the state of play announcement from you know last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was, and just flipped everything. So... You know, the time is exactly the same as it was the last time, so it looks a little more believable. But then updates on the next God of War, Horizon Forbidden West, and the next generation of PSVR, that is a line from the previous state of play that said, you know, this will not include updates on the latest God of War, Horizon Forbidden West, and the next generation of PlayStation VR. Yeah. So it's very likely that this is not true. But kind of what I wanted to do here is, you know, if it is true, if we are going to get another state of play in August, fucking phenomenal, number one, because you're doing a month, to, like, you know, back to back. That's great. Right. But I wanted to kind of just discuss with you, like, what we might see. Like, what do you think, yeah. or what do you think should be talked about at this event? What needs to be talked about? Well, let me start with this. I think the August 12th date is an interesting date 
because if you remember, there's this whole Blue Box Studio stuff, which I know you want to talk about. Never ends. Abandoned. But August 12th, remember, was the initial release date for PT when it launched way back in the day. Yep. So could we get an update on Blue Box Studios here, bro? That's quite possible. And abandoned. That's quite possible. And I do want to touch on that now since you brought it up. Um, Blue Box recently tweeted out, we're excited to announce that the abandoned trailers app will be available to preload free of charge for all PS5 users on July 29th with the introduction available on August 10th, followed by the first trailer later in August. So, you know, if this is an actual Kojima thing, if this is a Konami thing, if this is just an indie game, uh, whatever the case may be, it's, it's finally happening. Things are going to be moving. Um, mm -hmm. so that's exciting. So it says that, you know, the introduction is going to be available August 10th. Do we maybe get the first trailer, you know, launching right now, like, you know, a right now type of thing at the state of play on August 12th? Possibly. Could be. It just says later in August. doesn't say how much later. And those dates could theoretically. Yes. You know? Yep. And I do want to point out one more thing. Uh, just a little bit of information about this trailers app. Uh. Hassan Karaman, the head of uh, Blue Box, said that like the dual sense and 3D audio is going to play a part in this. So it's like still very right. weird as to whatever the fuck this thing even is or like what it mm. what's going to happen necessarily. My understanding, though, however, is that it's not necessarily a game, but there is a introduction, which you see, you know, in the tweet and the introduction acts as a tutorial, is what he said. And somehow the dual sense is involved. So like I don't know if you're walking around like an open environment accessing trailers somehow. I don't know if it's like an on-rails thing. Or, Josh, perhaps you're just experiencing a trailer and your dual sense will make noises and like rumble and do things while you're watching the movie or the, the trailer play. Um Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We have um, we have a video from a couple weeks ago about like our full thoughts about this topic specifically, so make sure you check that out if you haven't. But I don't know, but I really want to know, and I better know soon. That's all I can say. I'm with you. So what but, do you but what I do did, you think we're gonna get? Yeah, um, I think what we need to get is some information about this SSD slot expansion. Um, I was listening to Last Stand Media, Sacred Symbols, uh, which is Colin Moriarty's podcast. Uh, which I've been listening to a lot lately. Um, and they talk specifically that there's still been no news or mention about this, um, any expansion within the PS5 uh, for this internal SSD, which if you remember, we did a video about a while ago where they said that there was going to be information about it coming this summer. Um, and summer is moving right along, folks. Almost and over. There's still been no mention of it. Uh, and we need it um, because I don't care what people say. Uh, I'm tired of deleting games, PS5 games specifically. I want ex more storage. Please unlock this stupid effing bricked part of the console. And that's yeah. it. That's all else I want from this. I do want to see more God of War, but I don't care because uh, I don't need to see any more of it. I do want to see more of Horizon, but I also don't care because I don't need to see any more of it. I'd like to know what Sony Bend is doing, but we're not going to get that. I doubt. I'd like to know what the other thing that Insomniac's doing. I'd also like to know where this multiplayer thing is from Naughty Dog, all of that stuff. Basically, yep. everything we've been rumored or have heard rumblings of, I want to see it because it's time. Yep. So. Yeah, we really need PlayStation to start delivering on some some new announcements, get us hyped for something. Um, you know, their games that they, they do have in the pipeline are, are, you know, coming closer and closer and closer despite delays. So they need to start getting us hype on something else. And I think the perfect... Yeah, and we need... Go ahead. I was going to say the perfect way to do that. Announce the Blue Point acquisition. Here we go. Mm -hmm. We got Blue I Point. About that. Not only because they still haven't announced that, right? It's been only been leaked. Right. Um, not only, you know, is Blue Point doing that, but Blue Point's also doing X. And that X could be um, a Bloodborne, you know, 60 FPS version or whatever for PlayStation 5 and PC. Right. Uh, it could be I want. the Metal Gear Solid uh, remake rumor that everyone's talking about for years right. and years and years. Um you know, I don't know if Blue Box is doing a Silent Hill game. I, I truly don't know. Uh, but they need to, Blue Box needs to show up and they need to drop something big because Demon Souls was fucking phenomenal. Shadow of the Colossus was fucking phenomenal. Uh, even their fucking, I believe they did the Uncharted 
collection. I could be wrong. Um, yeah, they did the Nathan Drake collection. Yeah, Blue Point did. Yeah, that shit was fucking tight. Everything they do is good and great, and uh, you know, I just want to see them do something huge. And I think Metal Gear would be like a big, a big one. Yeah. So. We just, I think the most important thing, and I know I'm gonna get shit on it like I did last time, but they wrap your head around this, Brett. We are now X amount of months into the life cycle of the PlayStation 5. Ratchet and Clank just came out. We do not know what the next PlayStation 5 exclusive is. God of War is not PlayStation 5 exclusive. Horizon Forbidden West is not PlayStation 5 exclusive. Two fucking dumb decisions, by the way, I might add. We don't know what the next PS5 exclusive is. What is it? What is the next big seller? Right? What is it? What are you doing? Herman Holst and Patrick Ryan... As I said before, I don't like you. I don't like you. I think you're terrible for this company. And as a fan, I hate you. Yeah, you did get shit on pretty hard in the in the comments of our vi- last video about the PlayStation state of play. Um, but you know what? I think you were justified. You were a little angry, but I think you were justified. You know, people, you know, everyone's, oh, we can't get PS5s. We can't get PS5s. Maybe that's what they talk about. Maybe they're going to talk about how it's going to be easier to get a PS5. I don't fucking know. But truthfully, I don't think it's that hard to get a PS5. If you know who to go to, if you know where to look, you know, I have family members that are like, where do I get a PS5? I'm like, yo, motherfucking Wario64 on Twitter. Give him a follow. You'll fucking get yeah. one. Dude, Zuler. at this point, I'm like, at this point, if you haven't gotten one, you're not trying hard enough. I, I don't, I know that's like coming from a point of view of somebody that has one. But like, if you really, if you truly wanted one, right and i know there's other factors people working and stuff like that but if you really truly wanted one you should have one by this point i agree uh, i i tend to agree uh and you know if you truly truly want one and you're the guy on twitter that's like ps5s when you know and you make the comments like nobody can get one i feel like you truly don't want one i feel like if you're if you're that guy that's just bitching that you can't get one i don't even think that you really care or you you know you, you can spend have... that energy and time that you're using bitching and getting one exactly exactly set up an alert on zoolert.com or whatever fucking get a text message when it goes in stock um i I truly i really don't josh you even got a email to get a second one from playstation direct like this is like it's getting absurd at this point if like like, come on if you truly if you can't get one like what are you fucking doing are you trying and i don't want to sound insensitive here but like i got fucking three xboxes pre-ordered like during the heat of the whole thing yeah like the- we we went through everything that anybody else experiencing now did right yeah. if not more so because there was more of that initial demand exactly right? and we did it we're like the old we people can do it you can do it we're the old people that are like you know when back, back when i was your age i walked uphill in a snowstorm like being chased by lions like that's us right now but like it's true though it's true uh and this this topic has truly devolved um but Yes, I thought it would be important to you know talk about that too. So, anyway, state of play may be coming, may not be coming. That's our thoughts. And if it does happen, we'll probably be live streaming it. So, uh, absolutely, suck, suck us off. If God of War's there, absolutely, I'm 100 down. Like we're doing it. Yeah. So. All right, Brett. Our final topic for the day is that it is every week indie intel. Um, this week we are talking about a game called Spell blaster the flavor text for you spell blaster is a one to two player co-operative dungeon crawler that tasks players with navigating maze mazes destroying monsters avoiding dangerous traps and solving puzzles the game has been described by fans as a mix between zelda secret of mana and goof troop the players begin their adventure on a world map selecting a stage to play their task is simple find and destroy the dark shard in order to win however the goal won't be as easy as there are Whoa, that was worded weird. However, this goal won't be easy as there are plenty of monsters standing in their path and puzzles waiting to be solved. Really quick about the story, the wicked sorceress Agonis has appeared in the land of Meridia Meridia, to summon dark crystal shards and harvest the life force of the planet for his own nefarious schemes. It is up to the brave heroine, Mage Marza, and her equally fearless sidekick, Pan, to set forth on a journey to save the world from destruction. This game looks Brett, tight. This, yes, this interests us because it seems akin to something like Gauntlet, right? Only two players for this, but also the art style is slick. What are your thoughts? 
I think it looks really cool. Um, I, I want to point out this is a game made by Jump Game Studio from Maryland. So we're in the mm -hmm. U.S. this time. You know, every time we do an indie intel, you don't know if it's going to be somewhere, around, or, you know, around the world in the country. So they're from Maryland. So shout yep. out to you guys. You're pretty close to where we are. Um, I just think it looks really cool and a lot of fun for, you know, friends like you and I who like to play couch co-op games. This is perfect. Um, it's going to be coming out on Steam. And it's, it's mainly a PC release, which is kind of disappointing. I would have liked to have seen, um, you know, a Switch port or something. But the good mm -hmm. thing, Josh, is number one, there's a demo out. So if you're interested in this, that's true. You can go and try it. Uh, but also, yeah. there's nine days to go as of the time we are recording this. And they are literally so close to their goal, it is not even funny. They're only asking yeah. for 8,200 USD. And they are currently sitting at the time we are recording this $7,552. So literally less than a thousand dollars left. Wow. That already went up, uh, compared to the notes that I took. There right you before go. This, so, yep. And it has 159 backers. So you should join them. Yeah. I think the music, first of all, the art style is very charming. Um, you actually queued up a couple of games today, you know, take your pick basically. Yeah. Like, what do you, what do you think? This one, the art style was just obvious. Like this was going to be the one, not only like the sprites in game, but like the promotional art that they have. The game just has like a, a yeah. awesome text font and awesome, you know, graphical style and the music. Come on now. The music was Jeez. really cool, man. And the gameplay, it's like, you know, it's like Zelda puzzle solving and being able to do it with like two people. Just doesn't fucking get better than that, dude. They yeah. uh, on the Kickstarter, they show different, you know, settings. There's bosses um, and there's even like different types of objects and blocks that look pretty interesting. So mm -hmm. there's normal wall blocks, which just block your path. There's blo uh, blocks that, you know, have cracks in them. So, you know, you could break them ones that have locks. So, you know, you have to use a key on them. Um, mm -hmm. There's ones with cannons. There's switch blocks where like, you know, it goes up and down depending on a switch that you're on ice that you slide on. But the one is like a puzzle block. And to me, that's really cool because it's like an, an object in your way that you can't progress through unless you complete a puzzle elsewhere in that room or dungeon. Uh, so it's like, mm -hmm. oh, shit, we got to like do something before we can get past that. And I just think that's pretty cool. So Yeah. No, man, this looks awesome. Uh, we really encourage you all to check it out. There will be links in the description. Um, it There's only three guys. Uh, it looks like that's doing it. A composer, an art pixel artist and the developer yeah um and i just really encourage everybody to check this out give them some love and support all the links will be in the description spell blaster please check it out that's right and completely aside from that josh um not doesn't have to be included in in that episode of indie intel i do want to say mm -hmm. shout out to the crew at disray games for their oh, successful yeah. Kickstarter campaign campaign of Lights, Camera, yeah. Slaughter, which I did back. That's right. Yes, I did too. I actually backed it, which I don't typically do, but I like this game a lot, right? This is really tickling itch for me. I am officially, you hear it here first, an executive producer of Lights, Camera, Slaughter. Wow, fancy. That's right. Okay. That's right. And other minds you, now it was when I backed it, I am the only executive producer for Lights, Camera, Slaughter currently. <laughs> now that could probably, that might change in the next couple of days. But at that tier, when I, when I chose it, there was like 50 out of 50 left remaining. So currently, I think I looked, only, I looked and there was one person that took it and it's you. Currently, I'm the only executive producer, uh, which means that there might be some stuff uh, with me in the game. Um, because, I mean, it's it's successfully funded. So yeah. as long as they can fulfill it, uh, then that's what's going to go off. But yeah, shout out to them. How uh, much, if you don't mind me asking, how much was that tier? It was like 41 bucks. I'm, I might up it, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> dude, exactly. Haptic producer, Intel. Haptic Intel. Awesome. <laughs> that's right. Putting our money where our mouths are. Um, but yeah, I think it's just one dude, uh, and we've actually been doing some Twitter exchanges. He's posted some stuff. I responded to it, uh, clearly into like the same horror stuff that we are, yeah. um, which just tickles us. Uh, I mean, so it, shout out to them. Uh, congrats. Uh, yeah, that's Absolutely. one of the things I love about doing that segment is just literally connecting with the people that are making those games. Absolutely. Um, I feel like we've built, uh, a nice network of that and 
we keep saying it, and I think we should do it soon. Maybe we'll do it as a separate video instead of during a podcast, but like a recap or a revisit of all of the Indie Intel games, where they were and where they are now, um, regardless of the outcome of it. I think that would be really cool. Maybe that'll be our next long-form video. I don't know. That'd be awesome. I'm actually interested in that a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, you know it's a cool thing that we do, and not a lot of people do it. And my favorite thing is, you know, we're a small channel, right? These are small developers and, you know, we're just, we're just shouting them out on a video that might get 20, 50, 100, 200 views. Um, It doesn't mean much, you know, it's easy for us to just, you know, pick this game and put it in our, our video and just, you know, that's the one for the week, but Mm -hmm. it means a lot to people and it means a lot to me when they respond back and like, like, for example, we had one where the guy was like, I showed this to my mom and yeah she cried and i was like what (laughs) like yeah that was lucid soul yes lucid soul that just that Mm -hmm. meant a lot to me that you know his mom cared so yeah i really i really do enjoy this and uh congrats to the lights camera slaughter guys and hopefully um you know spell blaster it seems like they're about to to make it as well so hopefully they get it as well yeah all right well that's it Brett. that's another week in the books it's over it's all ogre it's all ogre from um here. but yeah thank you for joining me uh you have any last minute thoughts before we wrap up here if you haven't watched it go check out josh tull's op-ed docu long form video days gone playstation's not so hidden gem which is available on our channel right now it's like 30 minutes long it's going to be worth it so go check it out yeah that's it well, with that being said, thank you everybody for tuning in, watching us. Uh, make sure you like, you comment, you subscribe, you share with your friends, do all the YouTube stuff, follow us on all of our socials. Links are in the description. Um, specifically, I think on Letterboxd and GG is what you all might get the most out of, but also we're super active on Twitter. So check us out there as well. Um, yeah, and That's that'll it. do it. Yep, thanks everybody. Bye-bye. See ya. Thank you for watching Hapticast. Please like and subscribe. Hit the notification bell so you do not miss an upload.